You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's a joy to be in worship with you. I want to remind you a couple announcements that we take in a majority of our revenue in the fourth quarter of the year, so the last few months of the year. So if you haven't fulfilled your pledge or you've had a better than expected year, remember RPC, please, in your charitable giving so that we can fund the great ministry and mission that God has called us to here in Roswell, North Metro Atlanta, and really around the world. Last week, uh, Carrie gave a great sermon on what it's like to have hope in the midst of a culture full of conflict and strife and diversity. How can we find our unity in Christ and find hope that springs out of that? And today's uh, sermon is appropriate for our preparation for Thanksgiving. We're going to look at now is the time for gratitude. What does it mean to become people of gratitude? How can we become more grateful? So let us look at a passage from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, but let us open our hearts and minds for the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher. Lord, that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak, that what appears as lifeless, dead ink on a page might spring to life and become your living word. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are really two kinds of people. There are grateful people and there are ungrateful people. There are people who can give thanks no matter how bad things get. And there are people who can't help but complain no matter how good things are. There are people who see the glass as half full and there are people who see it as glass half empty. A number of years ago, a group of psychologists conducted a study with two young boys The first boy had a reputation for being kind of ungrateful and pessimistic. And so these researchers who were behind the one-way reflective glass monitored this first little boy. They brought him into a room and there were dozens and dozens of brand new unopened toys. It's amazing. And the researchers said, young man, you can play with any of them. For an hour. And at the end of the hour, in fact, you get to take one of them home with you. To their surprise, this boy sat in the corner the entire time. Sat in the corner the entire time. And so at the conclusion of the hour, the researchers come in and they ask the boy, why didn't you play with any of the toys? He answered, well, 
There's just too many toys to play with. I don't know. I, I'm, I might break one and then you'd make me pay for it. Said, I, this is a research project anyway. Probably doesn't count. The researchers were really startled by this ungrateful little boy who even though he sat in a room full of toys and could have played with them, all of them, sat in the corner. Even though there was water in his cup, the cup was half empty. Well, then the researchers brought in the second boy. And this young man had a reputation for being grateful and an optimist. And as the researchers monitored him behind the one-way reflective glass, they brought the boy into the room. And they said you could spend the next hour playing. And there in front of him as he walks in the room was a pitchfork and a mound of manure. It was, it was terrible. In fact, even some of the most experienced researchers were just kind of blown away by the smell. But this boy was thrilled and he grabs the pitchfork and he begins to dig into the manure and just starts throwing it in the air. And he's laughing. He's gleeful. He's getting covered in manure. And he continues to do this. And the researchers are getting a little worried. So one of them runs in. Says, young man, young man, are you okay? That is a, that is a big pile of manure to be throwing everywhere. And the little boy says, that's why I'm so grateful for it. There must be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> there are people who can't help but complain no matter how good things are. People who can't help but stay positive no matter how bad things get. There are people who are glass half full people and there are glass half full people. And Paul sides with the glass half full people. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do you find it easy to be thankful? Or do you find it difficult? Are you grateful or is that a challenge for you? Is the glass half full or is it half empty? Do you complain about your family and their quirks? Or do you give thanks? To, at least they're not boring. Do you whine about your job or are you just thankful that you have work? Do you worry about your future in such a way that it destroys your ability to enjoy the present moment? Or do you have hope about the future and it allows you to enjoy today? I try to be an upbeat and optimistic person. But I'll be honest with you, I can't, I barely can help myself complain about the weather. Like recently, I realized I spent about three quarters of the year complaining about the weather. People ask me, Jeff, how you doing? I said, oh man, it's so hot and humid. I sweat, it's just miserable and the, the sun and oh. Jeff, are you okay? I don't know, maybe. Then December will come. Jeff, how are you doing? Oh, the weather. It's so cold. I can't believe it's under 50. I didn't move to Georgia for it to be under 50. I don't even have a coat for this weather. Jeff, are you okay? Oh, I don't know. It's tough. How can we become a more grateful person? How can we become more thankful? Paul gives us some great examples, a great idea about how our theological convictions, what we believe about God and God's purposes for the world can inform, can enhance our life and make us more grateful, optimistic, and thankful people. I have three secrets. Secret number one, 
live out of your center. Live out of your center. Notice what Paul says to the Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. What's at the center of your life? What do you stand on? When the tough times, when the storms of life come, where do you stand? Notice what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. That word in is very important. It's essential to understanding the Christian life. There really are kind of like, when it comes to living the Christian life, kind of two perspectives. There's one that's focused on imitation and one on participation. So, so one is about imitating Christ. And there's a part of that, but there's also this idea of, of participation. We participate in Christ. So let's do a little thought experiment. So the imitation perspective, you wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to imitate and be like Jesus today. Now, mind you, can we agree that's a tall order? You know, and so by the end of the day, you're exhausted, you're guilty, you're shameful, you're frustrated, you failed. I tried to imitate Christ and I couldn't do it and now I'm just worn out. That's the imitation perspective. Let's look at the participation perspective. Let's say you wake up in the morning, you say, my life is already hidden in Christ. By grace, I'm gonna live in Christ. There's nothing I can do to earn it. Jesus has said that I am enough, I am accepted, and today I'm going to live out of that center. It's a very different way to live. Now, this is hard to do to live out of your center in Jesus Christ because basically the entire world is constructed to get you to live with other things at the center of your life. It says, you are what you have. And so we go and try to buy and acquire more stuff as if that'll give us meaning, value. Or you are what people say about you. You're always worried, what are people saying about me? Or you are what you do. And so you'll work as hard as you can on your volunteering, on your job, constructing a resume, because that's where you find your value. Henry Nouwen, the great spiritual writer, says these are the three, three great lies of our culture. I am what I have, I am what I do, and I am what people say about me. The three great lies. No, you are in Christ. Live out of that center. It's by grace, when you wake up in the morning, you know that God loves you, that you are enough, that forgiveness and grace wait for you when you fall, when you fail. So, rejoice in the Lord always. Secret number one, live out of your center in Christ. Secret number two, rid yourself of all entitlement. My wife and... and and I don't want you to think any less of me when I'm going to tell you this, but I'm just being vulnerable. Wait, I'm not what people think about me, so I don't care. I, my wife and I have been watching the show Yellowstone. It's with Kevin Costner. And I spent a lot of my childhood summers in Montana, and so this brings back a lot of great memories. But this show is very Old Testament, right? There's killing and stealing and all sorts of kinds of things like that. And the farm manager is this guy named Rip. Rip was originally an orphan that was kind of adopted and taken into the Dutton family and was raised. And now he's kind of the fixer for the family. He solves a lot of their problems and does their dirty work. 
the love interest is Kevin Costner's daughter. And so they're falling in love and they're together. And a young, they come across a young orphan boy named Carter. He's very much a young version of Rip. And so they take this young boy in. But Carter is undisciplined, lazy, and obviously could become a lot of trouble for the family. And so at one point, Rip pulls this young boy aside. And he says to him this, he says, you know what the secret is in making it at the ranch? He says, you know what the secret is? It's knowing that you don't deserve any of it. You don't deserve any of it, he says. He says, the secret is, is to see it as a gift. Because when you receive and you're not entitled or find you're deserving, but you receive it as a gift, there's nothing you can do but be thankful for it. And we don't deserve it. It's a gift. Listen to what Paul writes later on in his letter to the Philippians. Listen to this. He writes, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have a little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's learned the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Because he sees his life as a gift. One of the most beautiful illustrations, I think, of this that I've ever come across is in Marilyn Robinson's 2005 Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Gilead. It tells the story of a man named John Ames. It's written from his perspective. He's an old retired pastor. He served his time serving a church in Gilead, Iowa. And he has a heart condition and he knows he's going to die soon. He happens to have had a, a young boy late in life. And so this young boy, there's all this advice and wisdom he wants to give to him. But he knows he's not going to survive to be able to do it. So he writes letters to his son. And that's the genre that the book is. It's a collection of letters. And at one point he writes about the approach he wants his son to take to life. And I think it's appropriate for us. He writes, this is an important thing which I have told many people and which my father told me and which his father told him. When you encounter another person, when you have dealings with anyone at all, it is as if a question is being put to you. So you must think, what is the Lord asking of me in this moment, in this situation? What is the Lord asking of me in this moment, in this situation? If we see our lives in Christ, then we will live it as a response to God's gift. And so when we go through trials and tribulations, they will be often, not always, but they will often be opportunities for growth, for positive transformation. And so with Paul, when we have a lot, we can say, thank you, Lord. And when we have a little, with Paul, we can say, thank you, Lord. We do this because we don't have attitudes of deserving or entitlement, but we see it as a gift. Secret number one, live out of your center. Secret number two, rid yourself of all entitlement. Secret number three, actively practice gratitude. Actively practice gratitude. Gratitude rarely comes automatically for us. We have to work at it. One of the most thankful people I know is a woman named Andrea who I used to work with. She came from a really rough background, grew up in a tough neighborhood in Miami, Florida. Her father abandoned the family when she was young. She lost her mom who died suddenly when she was in her 20s. Andrea actually had 
cancer for a time. She was blessed to survive it. But she had just had such a sense of gratitude of her life. It was just remarkable to me when she could be so down and so negative. She wasn't. She was thankful and grateful. So much so that one year she gave me a Christmas present. And I wrote her a thank you note for the, for the gift. And she's like so thankful that she wrote me a thank you note for my thank you note. Which is like kind of absurd. But wait for it because I'm kind of competitive. So I wrote her a thank you note for her thank you note, for my thank you note, for her Christmas gift. And you know what happened, right? She's also competitive. So she writes me a thank you note for my thank you note, for her thank you note, for my thank you note, for her Christmas gift. And I was like, fine, I'm th- thank you, you win. But that's that kind of, sometimes you have to work at being thankful to show gratitude. Gratitude will help you flourish in life. An article in Harvard Health Magazine said social psychologists have talked about the positive benefits of living a life of gratitude. They gave some strategies to be thankful. They gave some exercises. They say, write thank you notes. If you don't have time, thank people mentally. Keep a gratitude journal when you write down how you've been blessed each day. Count your blessings. Set aside time each week. To think about how much you have to be grateful for. If you're religious, they said, pray and thank God. The positive effects of gratitude are remarkable. In another report in Forbes magazine, it says, there are physical and mental effects of being uh, thankful, living a life of gratitude. They said, and this is science, they've done tons of studies, this is proven. Gratitude opens the door to more relationships. It improves physical health, it improves psychological health. It enhances empathy, reduces aggression. Grateful people sleep better. It improves self-esteem. Gratitude improves mental strength. Gratitude can transform your life. It can help you live well, it can help you flourish. I'm gonna close with a surprise, well, to me, a surprising example of gratitude. Comes from the former Mr. Kim Kardashian, Kanye West. In the late 90s, the biggest kind of rapper in the world was a guy named Notorious B.I.G. And Biggie, as he was called, he discovered and mentored a young Jay-Z, kind of raised him up. And Jay-Z eventually would go on to discover and mentor Kanye West, who produced the Blueprint album. Jay-Z once said, I'm Plato to Biggie's Socrates, and if you're familiar with Western philosophy, that would make Kanye Aristotle. But it's interesting, on one of his records called The Graduation, Kanye begins to reflect on this tradition he's a part of because Biggie died way too young. And Jay-Z never really got the opportunity to say thank you in the way he wanted to. And so Kanye's reflecting on what does it mean to show gratitude, to be thankful. And on this song, Big Brother, goes through the tradition, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Kanye. And he reflects on his relationship with Jay-Z. He says, he discovered and mentored me, but we were often rivals, sometimes friends. He said, but I, you have to thank somebody before it's too late. He's got this great line. He says, if you have someone you admire, you should go ahead and tell them, because no one gets the flowers while they can still smell them. If you have someone you admire, you should go ahead and tell them. If you have someone to be thankful for, to show gratitude to, go ahead and tell them. Do it before it's too late. 
No one gets the flowers while they can still smell them. Do it before it's too late. Live a life of gratitude. Be thankful. Now is the time, especially this week, to show gratitude and be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for all that we have to be thankful for. Thank you for the life that is a gift. Or help us to find our identity in you, live out of that center. Let us not be entitled or deserving, but to see everything as a gift. And then actively practice gratitude that can transform our lives and relationships. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.